okay, because I feel like I didn't I didn't grow up with early two thousands dramas, but the You're Beautiful, the Coffee Shop Princes, the Airs, the oh god, what's the worst one? I just had it. Boys over flowers. Boys over flowers. Oh my god. <laughs> I have seen, I watched that one when the K-drama podcast, Korean drama podcast, first aired because their first season was about that. And it was so funny that it gets you through the horror that is Boys Over Flowers. And then (laughs) I watched the, I want to say Thai version. I can't remember. It's called like the F4 or something. Maybe that's just what the group of boys is called. I really should have done research before I started that sentence. But I watched one of the (laughs) other versions of the show. It's almost worse. It's almost more abusive. I... How? (laughs) How? There was just this era of K-dramas in the early 2000s, and I totally get that they're a product of their time. So if you watched them at that time, like when it was coming out... And that was your introduction into K-dramas. I totally understand loving them and having those rose-tinted spectacles that surround them. Because when things are coming out that are a product of their time, you don't know what problematic behavior is going to be reflected a couple years down the line, right? I would be deeply surprised if anyone was able to find some kind of issue with something like Crash Landing on You or Goblin even, which is a little bit older. Um, that that would be very surprising for me. That said, I, I'm sure that's the same way, or that's the same idea that, you know, maybe these shows were even progressive for their time. Maybe they really did something at their time. Uh, so I, I 100% get being able to watch them with rose-tinted spectacles. But yeah, like you said, I I just simply didn't know about K-dramas at the time, right? I had no one to introduce me. You were the person who introduced me to K-dramas. I think you got introduced through webcomics. And yeah. then uh, you introduced me around the time that there was there was a marked change in how how the relationships go. I think that you introduced me the year that I think it was the same year that Oh My Venus came out, but it might have been just before that. I know that our first K drama we ever watched together was W, which has its own issues and everything, but there was a massive difference in the way the romantic relationships were handled. Because, yeah, we were just roasting how in so many of those, at, like, actual rampant bullying within the relationship is considered romance. Almost like pigtail pulling, which I think we can all acknowledge now is problematic to tell girls and women that if someone is abusive toward them, it just means they like them. So go ahead and accept that type of behavior. And... The pulling each other, or well, the man pulling the woman around by the wrist, and her standing entirely dormant, almost <clears throat> almost scared, as she's forcibly kissed, also considered romance in those older dramas. Usually, she is not an active participant in that kiss, but you're just supposed to assume she wants it because she's admitted she has feelings for him by this point or something, right? So, so... Why wouldn't she be happy that this is happening? And it's like, because look at her. I don't, I don't speak for her. Just look at her. 
it's not good what's happening. She doesn't want this. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you... I don't know. I don't want to get into do you think that formed a generation, but it's crazy that we started watching K-dramas in 2017, and 2016 had some of the best K-dramas ever created, like Goblin and Descendants of the Sun and Dr. Romantic. I think 2016 was a huge defining year for Korean dramas and the fact that we got in at that time was so lucky because we had so many amazing dramas to watch that were all very new and just thinking about all the people who were in high school who had these older dramas that as they were trying to understand relationships for the first time they were watching freaking boys over flowers like oh i hope that didn't mess anybody up it would have messed me up because i liked it it's a fun show it's disgustingly fun to watch but <laughs> that's as an adult with a healthy relationship who knows boundaries and behavior that's okay and behavior that's problematic so it can be separated. This fiction and r reality line is very, very clear to me. But if you're a very young, impressionable person, I don't know if that line is as clear. I don't think I knew until we met our current friend group, our Dungeons and Dragons friends, how defining the 2005 version of Pride and Prejudice was for our generation. <laughs> And maybe that helped me have a healthier adult relationship. Is that the one with Kira Knightley? It is, and Matthew McFadden. That was yeah, yeah. Because that one was defining for me for sure. That was my Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, and it does Pride Pride and Prejudice is so magical because it's maybe the only thing that has ever stood the test of time properly by being like, ah, she actually has a voice and exercises that voice and at no point sacrifices that voice. And he likes it. <laughs> genuinely. Yeah. And it's, I think growing up in the DVD era, I thought that me and my sister were the only ones who had seen that movie and enjoyed it. And then becoming an adult and seeing all the content that's created about it. I realized there's so many of us out there who were defined <laughs> by this beautiful, wonderful masterpiece of a movie. There's dozens of us. Dozens. dozens. <laughs> I, so now I'm just... I guess, I don't know, I don't want to sound pretentious, like, well, I have a good relationship because I had pride and prejudice, and I'm very worried about the young people who grew up on Boys Over Flowers, but genuinely I am, okay? <laughs> genuinely, if you grew up watching Boys Over Flowers as a young person, and you thought that's how relationships should be, are you okay? Are you alright? <laughs> Blink twice if you need help. Because for real, those shows are messed up. As adults, they're super fun yeah. to watch. But I can yeah. only imagine as a young, impressionable person, I would have been wrong. I would have I would have come out wrong. Yeah, because we were, I mean, I would have been in, you know, middle school, young high school age. And who isn't? Both 
just naturally problematic in middle school, just ready for problematic behavior, and then to be presented with the glamour of a K-drama and excitement, and then be like, and look at how how this is going. <laughs> so don't you want don't you think this is how relationships should be? And I would have been like, F yeah. Yeah, I do. Sure. I wish I just do had this. a rich boyfriend who treated me like absolute garbage. That's all I want <laughs> as a middle schooler. Just give me that rich bish energy. Yeah, because I I would know he because he loves me, and I know because he's beautiful. So, <laughs> Ew. I mean, I would be blessed to lo- to have someone that beautiful love me. Like that is so bad. That is so problematic. And I, middle school Raquel, would not have been able to identify that as problematic. So we got lucky. We got so lucky. Yep. We got Pride and Prejudice and not K-dramas. I was just thinking about how I would definitely watch a K-drama adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. I don't know if it's needed, right? Like, I don't know if I'm like, I want, I must have that. Why does that not exist? Like, I get it because it's like, I don't, I just don't know that it's needed because it's such a classically European tale. And it's just like, I don't know, tell like a a different classic tale or new ones. Whatever. I would watch it for sure, is I guess what I'm saying. But then I had this thought that I have recently seen, I think on Netflix, as I've scrolled through K-dramas, there is a, um, and I have read nothing about it, I'm just assuming it's a remake. Could be totally wrong, could just have the same name. It's kind of a unique name. Uh, remake, I believe, a K-drama remake of Little Women. I knew you were building up to that. um, It's so popular. Yeah. The longest build-up. That is a weird habit I've picked up in the last couple of years of just the world's longest build-up to what I'm actually trying to say. I love it. Holy shit. It builds the tension. It gets my attention, and then I just stay hooked, and I get so excited. (laughs) And then I ADHD ramble. (laughs) Just, I keep going forever. (laughs) I'm fully in. I'm fully invested in everything you say. You've got me hook, line, and sinker, so take it. Take as long as you need. I'll I'll be there. Just getting more excited <laughs> I, as man, we go. I, I don't deserve, but I definitely need. <laughs> We're a perfect team. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah, Little Women with Kim Go Un. It's blowing up. Yep. Everyone loves it. It just finished this week. So now we can actually watch it because you and I never watch airing dramas as if we have time to binge anything. So I know that it's such bad form to like do potential drama planning, future drama planning. Little Women is classically a holiday adjacent show. And we have been considering what we should be watching over this holiday season. I know nothing about Little Women, the 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 classic version. I know the title. It's like a popular thing, right? I don't know anything about Little Women at all, any version ever. But I have heard that this Korean drama adaptation is dark. So I don't know Ooh. if it's as Christmassy and light as the version you're thinking of. But I'm 
I'm fully in. Everybody loves it, so I'm in. Yeah, I would be willing to watch it anyway. I think I just, maybe only I associate. I Listeners, let me know if you grew up in a Little Women is a holiday thing household. I actually, here's a weird thing to say, um, after making such a big deal about Little Women, I've I've also never actually, with my own eyes, seen any Little Women content. I've never read Little Women. What? What do I've you never mean? listened to the audiobook. <laughs> I know I just made such a big to-do out of it. I associate it with, with a holiday as like a holiday movie. That's why I said I think it's, it's holiday adjacent. Um, because my aunt watched it every year around the holidays. She would watch one of the older versions um, I don't know which one. I don't even know who's in it, but I just know that every year she would mention that, yep, this week I've watched L- Little Wim- Women, and it was usually like the second week of December or something that uh, she had watched it. Okay. Yeah. Well, now I'm too curious to never watch it, so I'm totally down if, <laughs> if we want that to be our next drama. <laughs> I think What's it's up, only 12 episodes, episodes, so... Yeah. We won't commit here, but uh, we... That is... That's almost... There's like a 90% chance, I'd say, that that's going to be our holiday drama. That or we watch, rewatch Goblin, so <laughs> let us know which you'd prefer. <laughs> which one's better? Yeah, maybe we should make a poll-worthy list of choices, but for now it's just those two. Keep an eye on Twitter. We'll get back to you with what we're going to do. For now, should we finish up Hellbound? Yeah, let's hop into it. And welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is the show where we take a K drama, we watch it three episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk about it. Yeah, this week we watched episodes four, five, and six of Hellbound, which was the season one finale. Yeah, there's definitely going to be a season two. Yeah, there's no way. I will. Yep, they set it up for a season two, which I will say. I think is in- incredibly necessary for where they left it. I th- which obviously, if you set it up for a sequel, a sequel is necessary. But that said, I there's so much I do want to say about these three episodes. I liked them more than I liked the first three episodes. Oh, so. really? I liked them. Period. I thought if I if I were to recommend this drama. I would tell someone, watch episodes four, five, and six, and if you're interested, you can get a little prequel by watching episodes one, two, and three, but you don't need to. Don't worry about it. Um, Episodes four, five, and six, I genuinely thought were just a good drama, period. I really liked the flow, the characters, the pacing, the horror, the thriller, the suspense... I I just yeah, I thought it was really really good and they were completely different from episodes 1, 2 and 3. So I I wish they had come first because I think anyone who watches 
the first three episodes like we did might just write this show off and never experience the joy that comes in the later three episodes. Yeah, I I couldn't bring myself to watch it. And so I asked Emily, who had watched it, I was like, I just need to know. (laughs) I just need to know it'll be okay when I start to try and watch. Because I like, it was like a block where like multiple times I was like, I have the time. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to hit play. I'm going to just push the play button. I'm going to watch these episodes. And I couldn't bring myself to do it after the episode, the experience with episodes one, two, and three. It was just too dark and hopeless through the first half. And then the second half was also dark and hopeless in a very different way that was compelling and exciting. And, uh, I cared so much about so many characters in a way that I didn't care before, and I think the main difference, and we really didn't even get it until pretty much the finale, but the main difference is they did give a snapshot of, like, normal people who weren't extremists, right? They finally... I get why they felt like they had to focus on how bad things were getting with extremists, like, going out in the streets and beating people up purge style just because they felt like they deserved it. I get why they felt like they really had to drive that point home to make it as horrific as it was supposed to be. That said, it was so much that it was almost unbelievable because it felt like all of all of Seoul was split. Uh, pretty, well, actually, not even percentage-wise or split. It was like, it felt like it was three people against all of Seoul. Yeah. That's what they painted for us. They were pretty obvious about episodes one through three. There are three people who are not now avid followers of the new truth. And then in four, five, and six, they kind of did a turnaround, which was much needed and much more believable, where at some point one of the characters says about half the world's population believes in the new truth. And... I think that's still an impressive number, but much more believable with there's plenty of evidence to convince people that this is the true religion of the world, this is real, but there are still plenty of skeptics. It just makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, that not everyone would be under one belief system except the three skeptics in Seoul that are just trying to fight the system. It was interesting. Was it jarring for you? Or did you think it was almost like sensible for how they ended it that just like the cop who I kind of considered the main character up till now was just he's gone. Like he's he's not he's not here. I didn't love that. I think Upon reflection, it was totally fine. Thinking about the three episodes, I can't think of a place where he was really needed, but I know they'll bring him back in later seasons because he was, yeah, the main character of the first three episodes. So there's an emotional attachment there. I don't know why they wouldn't have him cameo in some way and show where he ended up and what he ended up deciding with his daughter that would have been compelling yeah. in its own way without having to take away from the the new main storyline. Yeah. Yeah, I think that this um these episodes set up season 2 to be kind of what I wanted this series to be, which is to say like when season 2 comes out it will be that, but uh I I'm so deeply interested in them 
actually, you know, diving into the, like, research and exploration and exposition it will take to finally figure out what these things are and, like, what's happening and everything. And I would expect him and his daughter to come back, I guess maybe depending on what they start to find with all of that. Or, like, maybe now that it's been proven outside of him being the only person in the world who knows it, that it has nothing to do with religion and everything to do with... They don't know. They don't know if there's something you come into contact with. They don't know if it's something you're born with. Like, no one actually knows what's going on. And I'm curious if if he'll circle back in later. But I agree. Like, there's nowhere that I can see... The only thing I could think that he would maybe fit in is working with uh, Min Haijin to at her little covert op where she tries to protect the the people who want to just kind of die quietly with dignity. Yeah. Oh my god, weren't these storylines so much more compelling that this group, yes. this law firm has now kind of transferred its services to helping people run away from the new truth and try and die in peace so that their families aren't tormented and harassed for the rest of their lives. Isn't that just so much more interesting than anything they did? Okay, I'll get off the first three episodes, but for real, I loved this. And how are you always right? Yeah, Min Hyejin was back. Lawyer Min survived her vicious attack and has used her turnaround to become one of the main characters of the second half, which well-deserved. I find her a very compelling character. I would follow her to the ends of the earth. But yeah, I think with her presence being such a huge part of these episodes, it was surprising that there was no sign of the detective. He's not even a remote part of his name isn't even mentioned he's not a part of this underground organization at all which is so weird because he was even more the main character than her and he's just replaced which i love bae young jay i love his replacement not comparing them at all just weird that kyung han is now gone forever i guess yeah or at least until season two, question mark? Because, yeah, we don't know. We simply do not know if they will find reason to bring him back or if he served his purpose in those first three episodes and, and is no longer his story. I would be surprised if that was the case. I will say that there were parts of these three episodes that were so good that they almost justified how much I like hated <laughs> the first three episodes. I kind of like that we got the origin story of a law firm becoming the protectors that uh, offered their services to, to protect the identities of these families and stuff and how that came to be directly related to the the first person they were involved with of, of protecting her family's identities and making sure that they, you know, got away and weren't harassed for the rest of their lives. We hope so yeah, I liked that the first three episodes kind of presented an origin story, but boy howdy, I I think that there's a classic theme in Play on K where I'm almost always, with pretty much just one exception, and even then I can't think of what that one exception is, I just remember throwing a fit about 
a time jump at one point where I, I am almost always a big fan of a time jump. I like when they give us some origins to work with and some context and then they say, okay, you, you were here for that part. Like you get to be here for establishing this part. It's not just a narrative we give you. We don't, you know, fast forward through this. You get to be here, but the real story starts four years later or whatever. I think I would have preferred the reverse. I It's hard to say because obviously I was presented all of this in one specific way, but I think I would have liked it better if we just had Young Jae's story. And even if it was the first two episodes where we don't really know what happens at the end, but I assume just the three episodes that we saw, four, five, and six, and then... The next three are almost like a bonus season, bonus episodes, where they're like, and if you are curious about the origins of all of this, here's here's some fun bonus content for you to find out more. I just feel yeah. like they weren't super necessary. They were they felt interesting but not necessary to the much more compelling storylines of four, five, and six. Yeah, I would think it would have been interesting. Do you remember with um, Kingdom how they later released a movie that was sort of the origin story of lots yeah. of aspects of Kingdom? And uh, it almost would have been cooler, yeah, having one, two, and three be a movie that was released to say, all right, you've 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 been in the world for a minute now, but here's how that world got to where it is. Yeah. Oh, I would have liked that so much better because, yeah, they were two pretty distinct stories. They could have been told separately and four, five, and six just were told in a much more hopeful and therefore more interesting way. Whereas one, two, and three were so desolate that I think they should have come after where you know that four years later there's going to be some hope and some new characters but it's compelling because I, get, I have used compelling 14 times in this episode. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's fun because you just want to know what's happening and you get so much more context for everything that's happened in your, your favorite show, Hellbound, with this movie, Hellbound, Detective Kyung Hyun. That's the movie title. I'm not very good at movie titles, but I think we'll work on that. That's a working title, yeah. and I like your idea. Separate them, do the show first, then have this prequel movie that explains things afterwards for those who are just who just want to dive into the universe a little bit more. Yeah, and be sad, which is almost exactly what Kingdom did, if you're curious. like The movie was a bummer fest. It was good, but it was a bummer fest. Yeah. Uh, and that's what this movie would have been. <laughs> that's what this one would have been. Imagine episodes one through three is a movie that tells the origin story. Very, very similar to what Kingdom did as far as vibes. Just mm -hmm. that movie, yeah. Real bummer fest. Real bring down yeah. the vibe of the cool horror stuff that they're doing <laughs> in the show. Yeah. Yeah, and I... I, man, I don't know if we're doing a bonus, this almost feels like a bonus episode, how much we're talking about the whole series and not diving into the, like, tidbits, so we can start doing that, and I won't, I'll hold off until the bonus episode to talk about, like, some stuff I found out 
after watching the the episodes about like where this story comes from and everything. Um, so tune in next week. Uh, but yeah, I uh, was obsessed with Young Jay and his wife, Same. whose name I should have written down. I wrote it down. Hold on. So Yun. So Yun. I I loved their whole story. I loved the story with Tuffy, little baby. Oh my god! Is that baby Jesus? How? What? Yeah, a little bit. That baby. Okay, can we talk about something <laughs> that really quick? That baby was CGI, right? Like I think beginning so, to end, yeah. there was never a real moment for that baby where they said put a real baby in there to cut down on costs. They said <laughs> make it a CGI baby from day one, and it's then be the a bundle of baby. cloth when we want to. Yeah, cut down. It was so cute. It was unreal, and that's how I actually. Long before they started like CGIing facial expressions for that little baby, uh, when it was just like getting its um, prophecy told or whatever, uh, I was like, that baby's too cute to be real. That is a CGI. <laughs> that is a very well done CGI baby because I am having questions. Yeah, I'm not just sure. Just split second questions. Yeah. But um, they. It was such a cute baby that I was like, that is C- that is 100%, that must be CGI, because I simply don't know that babies ever come out and, like, no matter how cute they are when they're born, I don't know if they're ever that cute, like, day after, two days after. I don't think so. I think that was a spectacularly cute fake baby, which, yeah, <laughs> I'm all here for. It was very cute, but it had to be fake, right? I think so. We'll look yeah. it up. We'll look it up. Because I'm not also convinced. I don't know. It's just so dang cute. I could look at that baby all day. So cute. Yes. Uh, and when they did the shoot, it wrecked me when his mom leaned over and said, I'll be with you till the end. And they had the little baby smile and she smiled back at him, even though she was freaking out, understandably. Oh, my God. Yeah. Her whole storyline was so good. I think you really go on the journey with her of trying to navigate this new world from a very normal person's perspective, where you want to navigate this world from the hero's perspective, whether that be Min Hye Jin, who knows the ins and outs, knows all the lies that have been spread, or even her husband, Bae Yong, Yong Jae, who is navigating this from a reporter's perspective with a lot of healthy skepticism. You want to be in their shoes, but I really appreciated spending so much time in her shoes where they didn't paint her as an idiot. They weren't like, she's just a real big dummy who believes everything she's ever heard. They're like, no, this is the world that she has lived in for the last four years. And of course, she kind of believes the things that every person around her says is real. And so she doesn't know how to go about this covertly. She doesn't know that she's supposed to keep things a secret. She just know that knows that her whole world is falling apart right now and has no idea what to do about it. And that was so beautifully sad and frustrating and terrifying to watch. And I loved it. Yeah. 
when she shows up at the new truth and you're mad at her, but you also, yeah, like I, I remember being so mad, but it was less mad about the decision she made and more mad that she made it without talking to her husband first. Cause it's a big decision to make by yourself for your family. Uh, but it was the decision she thought she thought she was doing the right thing. She had to know. And she thought that the new truth could tell her and comfort her and tell her that other newborn it's happened to other newborns or that there's there can be mistakes or or whatever the case may be because she just needed to know so yeah it's like i remember being i was so mad when she uh-huh. showed up but more that yeah it wasn't a discussion when he was presenting the option of okay soto says that they will they will broadcast this, but the reason that's a good thing is because it it can change kind of the tyranny we've been living under and prove that you can be as innocent as a newborn baby and still get the decree or whatever. And they they have that conversation. So he brought that to her, even being, you know, the skeptic in the situation and also being devastated by the situation. And so yeah, I was I was more frustrated that then she was like, I hear you. I also have a plan. I also want to know things. I also like we've asked one side and it would have been nice if she had said, what if we asked the other side or what if what what could go wrong if we explore this and ask more questions and it's like, well, we as the viewer know it can go very wrong because this is a super corrupt organization. But yeah, like you said, it's it is the religion that fifty percent of people believe, and it's the world that they live in right now, where it's like it's it's sensible to want to ask them. Yeah, so they seem like the experts, but yeah, they're the experts, and they seem really nice. They have mint colored jackets, so they're nice, nice people. <laughs> I loved the costuming of the new truth. How they're supposed to look like very friendly almost supermarket level employees where you're like, oh, that's a friendly color and a friendly little outfit. (laughs) I can see why this woman would bring her newborn baby to you, even though we as the viewers know you're going to steal the baby and kill them both. It makes sense that she views you as a pretty friendly face. And I really, I think that was very well done all the way through these episodes that even the insane chairman at the very top of the organization who we can see is a complete maniac and con man he has presented this very kind facade that is pretty believable yeah um i I was grateful that the leader of the Arrowheads, or or I guess the previous leader of the Arrowheads, who dropped off the radar for a while, but we didn't know because of the time jump, and then he shows back up. There was a part of me that was grateful that he wasn't someone we knew from the beginning, and there was another part of me that was like, oh, you just introduced a new character, and it was that and it, it's him. And his name is Lee Dong-wook, which is very funny to me. Uh-huh. That was really good. But yeah, I liked it because I felt like it was a good second connection between the first part of this series and the second part. It's just so weird that it's 
three episodes. It's a six-episode series, and there's such a clear split in the middle of the two. It's hard to describe part one and part two, where it's so clearly part one and part two, but there is no distinction on Netflix that these are two separate pieces of show. But anyways, it's another good through line. It's weird that we didn't choose the detective as a through line. We did choose the Arrowhead guy, but whatever. He's fine. I'm. He spent, he had a lot of screen time in the first three episodes. I hated watching every second of him, and I was glad that they finished his story so that he won't be back in later episodes because yeah. I think you're supposed to not like him. Obviously, he's supposed to be obnoxious and insane and inciting these violent acts that are so disturbing. So it's it makes sense. Everything in his storyline makes sense. And in that way, I liked it. But what an interesting choice. He's the one that gets to come back for part two? Okay, whatever. I guess it's fine as long as you <laughs> kill him. And show that he was a baby murderer. Fine. I guess we'll do that. <laughs> it was fine. I liked it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was glad that, like you said, that his storyline was concluded. And he also got one of the most, um, it wasn't the most drawn out, thank goodness. I'm glad that they didn't draw out any of the deaths in this in these episodes the way they did in the first episodes. Uh, but he got... One of the most spectacular, I don't think I've ever seen it where the beast things, the the shadow demons show up very immediately. Like usually there's like a boom and then you wait for a few minutes and then they like walk up and like make eye contact <laughs> and then they start to try and murder you. But this one just like dolphin leaped <laughs> out of the ground at him. And then, like, dragged him around the apartments like it's a freaking coliseum. Yeah. Um, and he's just, like, chariot status. <laughs> uh, fully wrecking this dude. The demons were also sick of his shit. Yeah. Yeah. I liked that the demons in these episodes were somewhat elemental. I'm not a fan of the just super buff gray dudes that they went with. And I liked that they were like, no, now they're like water demons. And this one's a sand demon. Is that cool? I'm like, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I just like a monster with a little more mystery to it. So having these just buff dudes walking around in broad daylight where I can see them <laughs> isn't that isn't as scary for some reason. Yeah, I hope that that's intentional in the way that it's a clue to something. I, it's such a small clue that I couldn't even possibly begin speculating. But I do hope that them being elemental is a clue to something about how and when they come or something. Probably not, because it seems to just kind of depend on where the person themselves is at the time, like if they're in the water or whatever. But I'd like it. I'd like it if it's kind of a hint at what might be to come. And later we can look back and be like, oh, I remember when they started becoming more elemental and not just like weird buff shadows. <laughs> <laughs> that was our first clue. Yeah, that'll, I hope some of the mystery starts to unravel. And I think, okay, let's see if I remember her name. Park Junja. Is that her name? 
the first victim. It sounds right. Yeah, right? It sounds yeah. right. The first one who had, like, a demonstration, right? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. One of the main characters of the first three episodes. She comes back at the end. That's the cliffhanger, which I thought, okay, I'm just going to start putting dollars in the compelling jar. I thought that was very compelling. Um, yes. I was all in for season two. I think in the first three episodes, we said we would never watch a season two of this show. I'm interested. Yeah. They got me. We lied. Yeah. We lied because they did such a good job. So we, they proved us wrong. I didn't think there was anything they could do to hook me back in and make me want to come back for a season two. And then they did it. They did something I could never have predicted because they said, okay, we hear you. You're upset. You didn't like how dark that was. You were sad for her and you liked her character. What if, what if we thicken the plot? She was dead. She was really, really dead. Like all of the people who have died by these things, so dead. But what if she came back? And I said, you son of a bitch, I'm in. (laughs) I am fully invested in finding out where she went, how she's been, what's been up. I'm gonna watch season two, at least the first episode. It's, it's a really good cliffhanger. And that paired with the baby surviving their own reckoning. Yes. Obviously, really, really good twist. I loved that, that like love can conquer all. That is a very simple and cliche trope that I will always be here for. Love always does conquer all, okay? It will never get old. I was fully crying when the mom was doing everything in her power, no matter how terrified she was to try and make sure that baby survived. And then her husband just held her and said, everything's going to be okay. And I was just a mess. It messed me up. Uh It was perfect. That's the kind of devastating horror I was looking for. It was so, I I was fully in it, and I didn't cry until the silence hits, and then you hear the first baby cry, and it, it tore me to pieces. It's perfection. That moment of silence where everyone thinks those three are dead now, and what do we do? And then the baby cries because it has survived its own, whatever they're called, reckoning, I don't know demonstration or whatever decree decree I don't, like the decree is when it shows up and tells them they're gonna die and then the demonstration is when they get dead i love to ruin a good point by forgetting all the vocabulary that has been assigned to us by the show <laughs> why are we supposed to remember those i do also keep i i remembered about halfway through this podcast episode what those vocab words were um so it's it's tough when they say okay it's a new world and here are the words you need to remember plus all these names plus i don't know think about the show and what's happening there (laughs) it's like okay well i'll try i'm busy though i'm gonna try but like i'm busy (laughs) i okay i really thought that there was a very good, very well-used juxtaposition between the first three episodes and these three, where they, in the first three episodes, beat an old woman to death. And she's a cancer patient. She's an innocent person. 
We hated it. It made me so nauseous that I almost asked if we could quit the show. In these three episodes, we had a very similar thing where we see one of the deacons who I want to talk about, Deacon Yuji. We see him beating up an old man. And in this case, we get what the audience wants, where there's some justice. This is the moment where citizens and even the police who have all sided with the new truth for the past four years say, hold up. What you're doing doesn't seem very in line with your teachings, sir. You can't just beat up old people and say that it's for the good of the new world. That's not the world we want to live in. And it's everything we needed in the first three episodes. All just tied up so beautifully in this moment. Yeah, except it went on for so long. I was frustrated for how long they just let him pummel that man before some... It's not that anyone stopped him. It's that he finally... Stop. He's he Just felt like, like he tired. had hamburgered this man's face enough. Yeah, and so he stood up, and then he got arrested, and that was really upsetting for me because that sweet, beautiful old man who told him he was a liar to his face did not. He deserved someone intervening much earlier so that he was not beaten completely unconscious first. Absolutely, absolutely agree. But I do think this show has shown us so much darkness that I wasn't surprised that it took, that nobody was willing to pull the deacon of the new truth off of someone. To physically make him stop doing something was too much for them. But saying, when he's finished doing what he's doing, there will be consequences. That is where I'll step in. That seemed very in line with this show. They're not going to turn the whole thing yeah. upside down, but they're going to give us a tiny bit of hope at the end. Yeah, what we're what this show is telling us is humans default to absolute shit, <laughs> but every once in a while they can say, ah, uh, yeah, that's pretty shitty. I guess I'll, like, counterbalance that <laughs> a bit. I guess I'll step up. I guess I'll step up. When he's finished, I'll just, I'll let him finish. Um, but- and then I'll step up. But I will simply do my job. I will not uh <laughs> I will not exceed any bar of expectation. <laughs> We're the worst. Okay, but I do I do want to talk about Yuji <laughs> because so you know I have a problem with hot people being bad guys. And that's fully <laughs> on me. Um Give me those 80s glasses. Why do they make him look better? I don't know. <laughs> like stop. <laughs> Um, I thought he was going to be the mole. I for sure was rooting for him to be the the resistance's most deeply embedded spy in the new truth. I was so hopeful for him. He he fell so far in my eyes. I was sad. Yeah, I wanted them to name that person, right? And give them a role, which I think is why I would would want it to be him because there was so much focus on him and you know how I'm sometimes every once in a while I just I need someone to tell me something about the show that I should know because I watched it but I don't yeah he was not in the first three episodes was he I don't think so I can't be sure we'd have to go back and rewatch them I I would never. I kind of thought he was Jinsu for a while. So, like, can you ask me? No, I'm the dumbest person alive. They seem like they could be cousins, for right? sure. They they had some similar facial features. Uh, but 
Jinsu had one of those faces I'll never forget. He, uh, also, I'll never forget his face because he was in Chicago Typewriter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think even more than their faces, he nailed the demeanor of Jinsu. Yes, yes. Like that very like calm, mansplainy <laughs> demeanor. <laughs> that cult leader, I can be very compelling, and I can say things with such confidence that you, your brain will default to belief before it will default to skepticism. Yeah, which is why I was hoping he would be the mole, the person to turn this whole system upside down. Again, my brain. My brain saw he was hot and was like, I hope it's him that's the good guy. <laughs> but also, I think... We had this enigmatic cult leader in the first three episodes, and then we had someone very similar, both in looks and demeanor, in the next three episodes, who was no longer the very tippy-top leader, but he was just high enough to have a little bit of sway, and I thought that would be utilized more in in our storylines, but instead it was like, no, he's just another like plain plain baddie. And that fell so flat for me. Why? Yeah. Why make him so similar to the ultimate baddie in the first three episodes, only to not use him for anything in the next three episodes? Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I wanted him to be something more, but I think, yeah, the mole would have been the most interesting for them to do. And they didn't, which is fine, because all the other stuff was a lot more interesting. Uh, I'm trying to think. There was something else that I... That was who's the mole related that I thought I had. I think I was just thinking of the other people in the resistance, like that guy who walked in and pretended to be getting ready for his own demonstration until to create maximum distraction. Yeah, they really what a hero. They walked away and I think Young Jay was like, Is he gonna be okay? And they were like, Yeah, there's too many cameras around to kill him in public, so he'll be fine. I was not so easily pacified. I that seemed dangerous. Um Yeah, all they have to do is take him out of public and then they can kill him. Like you're not giving the enemy enough credit. I mean they the way they assured it, I'm sure they were just like, yeah, don't think about that anymore. But also, Young Jay acknowledging it, I liked a lot because I liked the humanity that they brought to his role and, and his wife's role, as we were talking about. And, um, and just the, f- that they were both so normal and that he would think to say something like that. Like, what about the guy who made the distraction was so realistic that he wouldn't just forget about that once his family's at least temporary safety was ensured. Yeah. I really liked that. They gave him a lot of very subtle moments that made you like him. I think overall he was a very reserved and poker-faced main character that could have come off as very cold and unlikable and somehow throughout these three episodes they made you love him so much by showing through his actions more than his words where his loyalties lie where his values were and i i oh they did such a good job with him i loved him 
They did. They introduced someone who was effectively a temporary three-episode main character, similar to the detective, and they did something similar with the detective as well in the first three episodes, but in a way that's so compelling, there, now I'm doing it. This episode is titled Compelling. This episode is brought um, to you by the word compelling. <laughs> Thank you for it's our sponsor. Of the day. <laughs> um, but no, they've they've done such an interesting thing where, obviously, like, Hye Jin is... The one who who sticks around, I would now consider her the main character. I thought she was a main character. I now, because she's the one who's made it through six episodes, I'd say she's the main character. Yeah. I but they they keep introducing these incredibly likable temporary characters that are so main that I would not consider them secondary. Like I would not consider either of either the de- detective Kyung Hyun Kyung Kyung uh and Young Jae in any way anything less than than main characters, but they're just there for a minute. Like they yeah. they come and they go and that's so interesting to give them such a short amount of time and make me care about them so much and make them so well done and get who they are across so quickly it's a true credit to the writers and actors that that i am so enchanted by these people that are and and i would even say because of the lesser screen time and focus they got there are female characters that are similar to that but i would have considered them more like stories along the way of this and it's, um, shoot, we sort of said her name, and then we didn't confirm it, and now my brain has forgotten Uh-oh. it, but I Jung- think it's ja- Park Jung- Jungja. Jungja. And, um, the, and Young Jay's wife, whose name was that you told me at the beginning of the recorded episode. So Yun. So Yun. Uh, wherein they also did an outstanding job of stepping in and making me care so absolutely much about them. And then they were just gone. Well, and then they came, well, one of them came back. So maybe, <laughs> I mean, now there's hope. I, and maybe that's the saddest part is Jung Ja coming back. Maybe she comes back evil. Maybe. Ooh, that'd be cool. Uh, I hope she comes maybe back Maybe the evil. parents can't come back because it wasn't their demonstration they weren't supposed to die oh Raquel don't hurt me (laughs) I know because I want them back too I was thinking that about the professor though I kept being like oh this means that professor that I beloved so I loved so much he was so beloved by everybody he can come back and I was like he did not he was not burned alive in the demon sense he was just murdered by people regular people so yeah, in a really terrible way, as he begged for he was a lot he was awake when it happened, and he asked, and he tried to let them know that it's all a lie and that he can prove it, and they did burn him and the other guy alive. Genuinely, the worst part of this show. Yeah, the, the human on human murder. We got to cut it out, guys. Limit that. Limit that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, maybe the parents will come back. Who knows? Probably not. Because we can't have nice things. Mm. But maybe because we've got a very compelling cliffhanger. Yeah. And I mean, that's, I think, also them coming back is the only 
thread I think they could have possibly given us to pull toward figuring out what is actually killing people. So I I could not be more happy with them being like, ah, people are coming back to life all of a sudden, and they might know shit, or they might be a clue to something, and that is exciting. Can I tell you something that's the worst thing? Um, I was telling Jason about the people coming back. He didn't watch any of this show. Um, I guess, trigger warning, if you hate gross, really gross horror things, turn off the show right now. Um, you know where to find what us. What if I just <laughs> exited the conversation? I'm just kidding. <laughs> just that Skype boodoo. <laughs> Bye. You have no choice. You have to listen to the horrible thing I have to say. It. <laughs> Jason was like, what if they piled up all the bodies in the forest because I don't, I don't think they would have a proper burial because they were like sent to hell, condemned for their sins or whatever. So what if they just dumped them in a big pile of the forest? And what if they started coming back and they were all melded together and just became one superhuman? That's my least favorite thing that I've maybe ever heard. <laughs> I played a video game once that ended similarly to that, no. and I was so mad I. I asked for a refund, fully knowing I could not be refunded for that game. <laughs> oh, I want to know what the game is, it, but I won't let you spoil it on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll tell you after we stop recording. <laughs> um, if you also want to know what the game is, you can email us at playonkpodcast at gmail.com. It was not my proudest moment to be that customer that's like, yeah, I hated this, so can I get a refund? But yeah, if you do want to know that game so you can make a, an educated decision on if you want to play it or not, um, email us or, um, I mean, I wouldn't tell you on our social media, but you can make some guesses or something. I don't know. We're at social media, diff different places, at Play on K Podcast on Instagram and at Play on K on Twitter. If you if you DM us, she'll tell you, but you can't publicly comment. That's yeah. spoilers. Otherwise, we would have just said That's it spoilers. on the podcast. Um, you can find <laughs> all of our past episodes on our website, playonk.com. There's also a button if you want to find our Patreon we have a newsletter if you want to sign up for that in case we ever send another email. Unlikely, but hey. Um, and we have links to all of our affiliates in case you want to support the show while also getting something fun for yourself, like Skillshare. If you want to learn some new skills, you can try Blueberry Podcasting. There's a discount on that if you want to start your own podcast. And, of course, there's NordVPN, our longest affiliate who will protect all of your online activities and also give you access to dramas which may not be licensed in your region. It's not, maybe, I don't know that it's legal or illegal, and I will continue to say it until we know definitively. <laughs> and I will refuse to look it up so that I can't get arrested. <laughs> that's how, that's how the laws work. <laughs> um... Yeah, and then finally, uh, 
wherever you listen to us, usually there's a place you can rate, subscribe, or review. And doing one of those things, giving us a five star and dropping a review helps other K-Drama podcast listeners find us. And it is the freest and one of our favorite ways to help us out. Yeah, thank you as always for listening. And a little bonus thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers, because we don't do any Patreon bonuses, but we'll give you a little bonus thank you right here at the end of the show. We love you. Thank you. Yep, you help us keep the lights on and we... Couldn't appreciate you more. Yeah. We love you all. We'll see you next week with our bonus episode of Hellbound. Yeah. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.